This is Sifton. Ladies and gentlemen, rebel scum and loyal to the Empire, this is Sith Talk, the show that talks all things Star Wars movies, Star Wars TV, Star Wars comics, Star Star Wars books, literally everything Star Wars, that's what we talk about. I am one of the hosts, Zach Chrisman, a.k.a. The Lord of Lore, and joining me is Brandon the Bendu. Brandon, how is everything going? Things are good, man. We've got uh, lots of Star Wars to talk about. Yeah, no, that's definitely uh, without, I mean, that's like not even burying the lead at all. Um, no, that is, that's the lead. Yeah. That's the lead right there. I will say before we get into today's discussion, I did finish Eye of Darkness and I started um, a decent amount. Actually, I think I only got about two hours left on my Audible with Tales of Light and Life. So okay. I will say that if you want a awesome book review, go to don't burn the sacred texts um this is just my like off the cuff review i really 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 liked the book i thought the characters what we had talked about on our last episode i thought that stood true more than anything specifically with this book because and this is not a slight at the book i like the book do not run with my you know um you know, when people rate a movie, they're like, oh, yeah, he gave it a 7 out of 10. Well, that's, like, a pretty good rating. Now, I'm not saying this as, like, a downfall, but the book, to me, was very much led by his characters and not the story itself. Like, what the characters were going through is what made me enjoy the book to the level that I did. I ultimately didn't feel, like, story-wise, the Eye of Darkness did a lot in the actual world and i was quite confused on the pickup point that's that's my one negative is i was confused at the pickup point like where we left off versus what we were brought into and i even text you because i felt like i was missing something and apparently i was not yeah it does a lot happens off screen in between phase one and phase three you know it's it's I'm sure, like, there's probably some stuff in the comics that we missed because, you know, we don't keep up with the, the comics, you and I. So the comics um, go into the occlusion I, zones and how that know. worked out. Because, like, I, I, I listened to Tales of Light and Life, and I was like, oh, and, and I haven't read the last book in a long time. Um, what is that final of Phase Fallen two? Star. Y- yes, Fallen Star. I hadn't read that in a while, but I didn't realize um, to the full extent that Buriaga was like in question if he if he was alive or not. And yeah, that was one of my big things is like the Buryaga stuff happening in a different book. It was very Mando and Grogu and Book of Boba Fett. Right. Uh, I'm not going to complain about where they're starting uh, Phase 3 because I appreciate like just starting in the action. That's a very Star Wars thing, and it's pretty easy to understand. Okay, they've blocked off this area of space. You know, people are trapped on one side, people are trapped on the other. It's an easy concept. But when you have essentially an unlimited amount of space uh, because they're they're printing these books, you know, they're creating this content out of thin air. It's not like you're, you know, limited to a two hour movie or anything like that. Um, You can create side stories. You can put things in comics. You can create YA novels like there's a lot of options for them to tell these stories. And maybe we will get them one day. But. In retrospect, that's one of my issues with Tales of Light and Life is I I liked the the stories that kind of led into Phase 3 with um, the crew of the vessel and with, with Buryaga, but I felt like there could have been some other stories told instead of the ones that were in there that set up the occlusion zone and set up those things. That just, I think we would have been more interested in and would have been uh would have had a larger impact on what we got in eye of darkness but again like there's still a lot to come out you know we've got a YA novel uh coming out in i think march we've got a middle grade novel coming out at the end of this month then there's two more adult novels and so much more coming that maybe we will get some more information on that and we are you know playing with a third of a deck right now so 
we'll have to wait and see, but I like what they set up. And, and for me, the character driven stories are the ones that I go to. So no, it absolutely. really hit for me in that regard. It just, it was, it, it, it just was, it was a little confusing when you step away and you kind of backtrack years late or, you know, I think what phase two is a couple hundred, like 200 years before phase 150, one. something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, it, got it was to to step away and then step back in but then also kind of make some you know some like just jump in points it, it kind of felt just a little jarring again not like a bad jarring like your uh standpoint on rebel moon um but just some things where i was like what like i'm i'm the high republic guy like what am i missing you know? Yeah, and I did have to ask, you know, some people like, is there are there comics or something that I missed when I first started reading it? Um, but Lindsay was like, nope, this just is where it picks up. So it is, it is what it is. And like I said, like it, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the aspect of going back and looking at the entirety of the High Republic project uh, in 2025, so a year from now. But, but still, being able to go back and look at the big picture, I think, is going to be. Uh, a real game changer in terms of just going, man, they put a lot of thought into this and connecting dots that we didn't see connected before. And maybe this is a, an issue. If you want to call it that, that'll be resolved through that, but I'm glad you enjoyed oh, the book. It's it, a, it's it a great book. It 100% um, will be resolved. I'm not worried about it. It, it was just, uh, if you're going to say something, I'm just going to, I'm going to give that slight critique, but yeah, I mean, Getting back in with those characters, I realized how much I loved those characters and how much I missed them taking a step back. I still have a lot of love for the Phase 2 characters. I'm still a huge Axel Greylark fan. I Not of what he did, to be clear. Um, just him as a character being written on paper. Um, but it was so nice to get back and like see Belle and Buriaga and, and the way those two characters have seen so much um a lot more than you know really jedi have in a long time given this high republic situation you know the jedi haven't had the sith around for a hot minute here and getting truly tested these jedi these young you know basically padawans which was another jumble i won't get into that 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 was a little confusing between books too but anyway these basically fresh out of being padawan jedi are so much more seasoned than most of the Jedi that came before them because of what they've experienced and been through. And there's just a lot of love and working through emotions with those two characters. Elzar will always be the man. Uh, that's what I call him. Elzar, the man. And I fucking love Elzar. I love Avar. The way the book ended was like the biggest, Dude. like, fuck you. Why did you rob me of this? Like, all I wanted was because I'm a sappy love guy too, and I don't care if they're Jedi or not. Like, I want Avar and Elzar to make a way to be together. And when they robbed me of that conversation at the end of the book, they were like, no, nah, bitch, we're going to put a pause into this. You'll get this payoff in like, I don't know, six months. I was like, no, what are you doing? I need this conversation right now. And by the way George Mann writ that, wrote that end, you did feel every bit of mm -hmm. their tension of wanting to um, say what you say what you need to say say what yeah that's like that's I, that was perfectly written though because I was like waiting for this conversation and the tension the build up you know some might argue the build yeah. up is everything <laughs> <laughs> it's um, sit talk what do you want <laughs> I I loved the ending I personally like. Elzar wasn't one of my favorite characters. I didn't dislike him, but he wasn't really a compelling character to me um, until we got to Eye of Darkness because I felt like that's really where we started to get um, not just him identifying his problems, but we really got to see him working through his problems. We didn't see that as much in Phase 1 um, when he goes off with uh, Orla Jereni, the Wayseeker, and trains. Like We see some clips of it and we hear him referencing it but there's not a ton of time spent there and so just just spend an entire book basically in his and avar's emotions like i'm a shipper now i i i mean i was always an avar fan but again same with elzar like not my absolute favorite character not really super invested in their story like i wanted to know what happened but 
they weren't the focus of the High Republic for me. And I like that Eye of Darkness not only made them a focus of the High Republic for me, but I feel like made them the focus of the High Republic going forward. And that was something with the, the Phase 1 books that we had a problem with was there are so many characters I don't know who to invest in. And it's kind of pick and choose your favorite. And Vernestra was the one for me. And I'm still looking forward to continuing her story. And, and we got some of that in Tales of Light and Life. But this book, to me, was the was really them saying, look, these are your protagonists. Like, the unity between these two, these are your, your Ray and Ben of the High Republic. And I'm... I'm hoping maybe they get a little bit of a different ending. Maybe they ride off into the sunset, but you know, it's Jedi in Star Wars and that very, very rarely ends um, on a, a happy note. So but I guess see, we'll have to see. Yes. And I, and I know we have some news topics to talk about, but I am interested to see how all of that turns out. Because if, if one of the things that um, Light of the Jedi did very well, was lay the groundwork for these questions that we've had about the Jedi, relationships, communication, master and apprentice relationship, bonds, stuff like that. All these things have been laid out since the first book. And the other books haven't gotten away from them. Like, if they have, it's been on purpose. And I feel like this book kind of brought back some of these some of these tensions, emotions, and it kind of even um, slowly, it didn't give you the answers of the Jedi and, and all this stuff, but it did hint at, you know, I, I think it was like, I don't know if it was Elzar or, uh, yeah, I, I think it was Elzar when he was like kind of sarcastically talking and he was like, yeah, you know, who can I talk to in the Jedi Order because all they're going to do is just meditate and tell me to meditate on this. And I, I always think back when, and I've said it a million times, but Anakin was lost to the Jedi when he went to go talk to Yoda and Yoda essentially gave him nothing. And in this book, what I liked about that was Elzar didn't like talking to a lot of Jedi because of that same response, yet he felt comfortable with Yoda. So now I'm fascinated. Okay, where does when does Yoda start being like a little more callous to personal touch and personal response i'm not talking physical touch but just no i know what you mean you know like personal, personal connection personal connection because i thought that was very odd because that's such a sticking point to me with anakin uh yoda to me is what specifically that was when he was like okay i can't talk to anybody here like nobody's gonna mm -hmm. give me any real answers but yet it was flipped like elzar said it and then but also said that yoda was the only one he wanted to talk to by the way Yoda just bringing in a dark sider out of nowhere and be yeah. like, yo, I was like, Yoda, what fucking happened, bro? You're doing some baller shit right now. Like it I was I, crazy. And, and that's some of the stuff like I'm, I'm kind of out on the Elzar Avar relationship. I might be reading too much into what the high Republic is, but I don't think maybe, maybe I'm not because we don't know the ending, but I wonder if, like, because they have the Wayseekers. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder if by the end of this book or the series, if we learn why that goes away. And I'm wondering if Elzar and Avar's connection ends up being the reason why they really halt that Jedi relationship thing. Because even in the High Republic and in the new canon... You know, they're like, ah, yeah, Jedi have sex, but it's like, it's different. It's like, you know, they're not like in love with each other. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, I mean, Elzar and Eivor. Oh, for sure. For sure. But yeah. I mean, like, that's what's like kind of implied in some of the new canon books. But I wonder if their relationship has some ramifications or maybe some lessons that worked out where love and the bond actually is what saved the galaxy and the Jedi forgot that. 200 years later you know i'm, I'm interested i, know. By I mean that. i think your your point about yoda is important because we do have these threads that connect to the prequel era and to uh anakin and his story and you know yoda says that obi-wan dismisses anakin's concerns about his dreams in clone wars he is you know he knows about padme and he's kind of telling him like you got to be real careful about this so like anakin doesn't get the support that he deserves and and we talk about the failing of the jedi order but we've never really understood how they got there and so 
I don't think the High Republic is a hundred percent about that. I think that's right. going to be something so we have to fill in the gaps about. But I do think we're going to see very directly something that would spurn Yoda to lead the Jedi in a direction where, you know, being in relationship is completely off the table for them. And so even if he senses that in Anakin, which I think that there is an, a, a chance that Yoda senses, you know, that it's a romantic relationship because he does say it's like somebody you care for. And I mean, right. it's not like Anakin is good at hiding, like <laughs> hiding his feelings. Um, but for sure, it, I, I think I think we're going to be able to go, hey, like we might not know what point B is, but here's A to C. And it's definitely a straight line. You know, um, we just might not know all of the pieces that are in the middle of that line. And I'm excited to see that, you know, and, and I'm excited to see that in the scope of of everything that we have because even if we go to the sequel trilogy and ray and ben don't get their happy ever after uh but they do get that moment they get you know the the kiss and everything and so there's a direct thread of romance through the saga uh you know starting with what we had you know with anakin and padme to ray and ben but now going back even further to elzar and avar and i I just like that. I like being able to look at Star Wars through new perspectives and go like, what, what got us there, you know? Um, and also like, how are these things connected now in this new context? And so it'll be interesting to see. I know we're going to talk about the the Ray movie in a little bit, but it'll be interesting to see again how that changes when we have the end of the High Republic and you know stories post uh, Rise of Skywalker. Like it, that's the beauty of Star Wars. That's why we can continue to talk about it is because it's always evolving and changing, even these stories that we have are being put into brand new context. So look, I'm, we're getting a little off topic. We will get on topic. Um, I promise. Um, but do you like the kiss in rise of Skywalker? Do you think there is a, I like, I, I do. I'm a Raylo. Um, I, I think the kiss is, feels off to me because Ben dies. So it's kind of like, okay, well, what was the point of giving them that moment if you're just going to kill him off? I think if Ben Solo lives, you're going to have your angry people that go, romance isn't a part of Star Wars. Literally, like, it's a foundational element of it Star Wars. Get over yourself. It is, like, it is. Be, just because you have trouble talking to girls doesn't mean you have to take it out on the rest of us. Hey, okay? Um So... It just really <laughs> sucks when they die after you kiss them. It, it does. Like, it... it is Ray the kiss of death? What? No, she we're might not be. Off. She's a Palpatine. Uh, she's a <laughs> Don't start me on that. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like if that was the start of something and we go to the end of the movie and we're, we we know that their story is going to continue on together in that kind of way, uh, it really, it makes it, one, for, for people who are Raylos that wanted that, it's encouraging and it's invigorating. And I think for the people that maybe didn't want that, at least it's clear about what the the story was leading to. With the ambiguity of Ben's death because he fades, but then also isn't in that end moment as a force goes. So there's, you know, there's always the possibility that maybe he's, you know, out there in the ether in the world between worlds. I, there's lots of theories, but... The, the ambiguity of the ending there is something I'm not a huge fan of. And so that hurts the kiss to go back to your original question, not the kiss in and of itself. Fair enough. Um, I, I really think at some point um, when we run out of things to talk about, which never happens, uh, a rise of Skywalker rewatch and breakdown and kind of talking about it in a manner that of course will bring up, things we didn't like but not you know not just like shitting on the movie uh not interested in doing that kind of stuff um but i think it would be necessary i think it would be fun if we did that sometime i mean if we get this ray movie it could be a good lead-in to kind of talk about where her her journey left off and what we could see going forward well speaking of the movies star wars got a new announcement um think by the time this release it would be a couple weeks ago but anyway it's yeah. all the rage all the kids are talking about it it's the only thing that matters and 
apparently, the first Star Wars movie will be released almost seven years after The Rise of Skywalker. And it will be The Mandalorian and Grogu um, with Dave Filoni co-writing and Jon Favreau writing and directing. Um, it is said that uh, this will begin production this year. Um, we have no idea what is happening to season four of Mandalorian. Um, we know who's directing and we've gotten hints that Dave Filoni might be helping co-write. Um, every source that I'm saying that I'm reading from is um, Favreau is not only directing, but he is co-writing the script. Who is the other half of the writing credits? Well, Dave Filoni. It is unclear what exactly changed Lucasfilm's mind as the trade is reporting that the plan up until the strikes was to make season four of The Mandalorian from the scripts John Favreau had written, which we've known that like even during all that coming out, he said like they were already written, um, which were already in early stages of pre-production. Um, but the bright, but the strikes have changed everything as Jeff Snyder puts put it back in December when he ignited the rumor of a Mandalorian movie coming instead of season four. The status of the fourth season is still unclear. Now, Jeff Snyder is somebody who I followed for years and years and years and years. Um, the guy gets it right more than he um, more than he gets it wrong. He talked about Lindelof. He was the guy who broke that Lindelof was writing a Star Wars movie. He was the guy that broke that Lindelof was no longer writing a Star Wars movie. He's been in the sphere for a long time. Um, he's not a huge Star Wars fan, but he breaks Star Wars news all the time. He was talking about the Ray movie, so there's a lot of there's a lot of things that go up to this. So, to start on a good manner, how do you feel about the Mandalorian and Grogu movie? And and I'm, would you and would you like? Do you want season four to happen before the movie? Do you care? Do you think the movie is all that kind of really matters right now? How do you feel about it, John Favreau, the Mandalorian, and Grogu? I mean, I'm happy that Star Wars is going to be back on the big screen. Uh, it's definitely. We talked about it a little bit on the last Clashing Sabers episode. It's definitely a corporate decision. Uh, I, I don't feel like this was John Favreau going to them, going, "Hey, I've got this idea for a Mandalorian and Grogu movie," and then they were like, "Yes, and let's put it before everything else that we announced." I think they need to make some money, uh, and this is how they're going to do it. This is kind of using the property that they have to fund what they're doing over on Disney plus in my opinion um that said I I heard recently heard a rumor that uh the season four will come out before the movie and that the Mandalorian and Grogu movie will be the end of um that uh will be the end of of season four which to me makes a lot of sense uh you you can kind of lead off with the you know four to six episodes or whatever of the season four and then you put the last two or so episodes last three episodes however you want to do it in the theater in a cinematic format uh it's got that feel already you know in, in how it's filmed and how it's produced you've got favreau bringing that mentality to it so i think it would be an easy transition and then you encourage people to watch on disney plus the people that are are not going to go to the movie theater and see it, maybe you charge like three dollars or something uh, is a is an early release on Disney Plus for people to watch it. So there's a lot of things oh, they, that they I could hope they don't do. do that. I really, I don't, don't think they, they will, but I, they could even do it when it's out of theaters and then be like, hey, three dollars, we'll let you watch it now, or you can wait right. two months and watch it later, something like that. Um, to me, you know, I. I I want to wait and see how they're going to handle this. I don't like the idea of this movie in the middle of the TV show that's going to be integral to watching the entire rest of the TV show. The idea of it being end of a season makes it a little more palatable, and then you can either continue their stories solely in film, or you could go do a season five of Mandalorian. Uh, but if we're going to be jumping back and forth, to me, that just feels messy and hard to follow and is going to push people away. Uh, if I was a 
general audience, I would not be interested in figuring out what order I have to watch the show in and when I have to watch a movie versus when I have to watch a TV show. So I think they need to make a decision about how they're going to handle the story going forward before they put this movie out, before it becomes kind of like a happenstance thing of, oh, remember when we got that random Mandalorian and Grogu movie in the middle of uh, the Mandalorian series, but it actually didn't really play that important of a role? I, I don't want that to happen, and I don't want a constant jumping back and forth. So I have apprehensions in how they're going to handle it. But when you tell me John Favreau's in charge of a movie, like you don't even have to tell me anything else. Like I, I'm there. I, I worship the ground that that man walks on as far as making films goes. You know, uh, he he understands all the aspects of it. He is a, in my opinion, a master of his craft, and I'm I'm excited to to sit down in the theater and, and see that uh, that release come out on uh, on the big screen again, which is kind of cool. Yeah, so I, I agree. I think this was a smart business move as well. Um, you have a great writer who has been um, integral to these characters the entire time writing the movie. That all checks out. The director is the director that started the MCU with Iron Man. Um, he's also made plenty of other classics. This is a great move on paper from a corporate structure. You're going to be able to sell uh, way more toys, which is which you can't ignore. Like as Star Wars fans, you do have to look at, um, you know, the business side, and and it's a great business decision. Um, the one story thing that I really really hope they don't do is how are they going to make this like the MCU is not like this anymore. But one of the things that you could do for the longest time in the MCU was you could watch any MCU movie and you didn't have to watch the other ones to understand said movie. Now, if you did, you got some payoff. When uh, Captain America Winter Soldier dropped a name drop of who's Stephen Strange, we were like, oh, yeah, we're going to be getting Doctor Strange soon. That was that was cool. That was cool. Um, and we understood you know, a lot of the backstory if you'd seen all the movies. Yet you did not have to see. You could just watch that one movie. I hope they do that. It's going to be very important. If you're expecting people to watch three seasons of a show to watch the first Star Wars movie in over seven years, um, you know, that that's crazy. That's absolutely yeah. crazy. I don't know how you do it, but you can't do that. You absolutely have to make it an introduction, which obviously, uh, you know, one of the big helps with that will be, I don't know, maybe giving non-trilogy films, uh, you know, the one thing that staples Star Wars, which is the, uh, I don't know, opening crawl. An opening crawl might really help with that, too. Holy shit, maybe we should do those again. Um, they not... have said they're going back to doing the opening crawls. What that'll look like will be interesting, because we got kind right. of an opening crawl in Ahsoka. I don't think Mandalorian and Grogu, I don't think we're going to get an opening crawl like we're used to. I think we get something maybe more solo-like um, or maybe even a, a Clone Wars voiceover kind of situation. I don't know if we're going to get the big Star Wars theme at the beginning of The Mandalorian. I just think we should. The Mandalorian, I don't know. The Mandalorian theme is so has becoming so iconic in and of itself. You know, people, people know that theme. It would... It'll be, again, like it always comes back to execution, like how do they actually do it? But it would feel a little weird to me to have the regular yellow opening crawl for The Mandalorian when that isn't visually how it's been presented thus far. I think there needs to be some visual continuity because that's kind of what's going to start feeling weird when we go back to the movies. Like let's say, you know, we sit down to... Uh, James Mangold's movie and we get the opening crawl. I'm looking forward to that. But then you go back and you look at Solo and Rogue One and you kind of go, what the hell were they thinking there? Like, it just, I don't know. I like uniformity. I like continuity across uh, the stories. And I like things that are part of the same, you know, galaxy to, to keep that consistency. And so if you're going to break that consistency in any way, you have to consistently break it. You have to, in my opinion, stick with how you have presented the Mandalorian. You can't go off and do a, you can't go off and make a Star Wars saga film when you're doing the Mandalorian. Does that make sense? 
Yes, it does make sense. And, I mean, while I... I'll, I'll be honest. It's a smart move. It is uh, a great move. I still very much love the Mandalorian characters. To me, it's just a little weird because it's like it's already been a show. And I, I'm not of the belief that like once you're a show, you can't become a movie. There's been plenty of uh, franchises that have done it, worked out so well. It's just a weird move to me. And, that, and it's a me thing. It's not a... I don't think uh, it's Lucas just a you film. thing. It's weird to me that we're getting a Mandalorian movie um, instead of like anything else because the Mandalorian is something that's already so well established. And there were mixed reactions on season three um, with a lot of people, but I don't think that hurt that brand that bad. Mm, the people so. that were upset were like, oh man, this is goofy. Now maybe if season four comes out and it's a pile of garbage, then we can talk about something like that. But Ultimately, it, it's just a it's a weird move for me. What also really confuses me, and this is where I'm going to get um, a little bit rude. Um, or well, before maybe... you go off on that though, though, I want to I'm going to talk about the weirdness of it. Do you think that there's a chance that Mandalorian and Grogu is their test run to see if they're going to move Mandalorian to the big screen full time? Like, I see a world where if this, let's say it costs $150 million to make, it doubles its money, makes 300 to $500 million. I see a world where you still keep the Ahsokas and the, you know, Book of Boba Fett's, all the other Mandoverse threads on Disney+. Plus, But especially with Filoni's movie coming to end it all, you create a Mando and Grogu series of films that leads up to, to that, that brings in the stalwart characters and pushes those two characters to an even broader audience while also making them more money than they make on Disney plus. So I would answer that with saying if a star Wars movie, look, solo was a different story. Uh, even Bob Iger, the CEO said he screwed the pooch on that, that the solo is not so, solo is a mixture of a lot of bad variables that came out with that box office number. So with me saying this, if they come out with the first Star Wars movie, no matter what it is, Jar Jar the movie, um, and it makes $350 million after being seven years starved and off, we have another problem to talk about with Star Wars alone. Like Star Wars should be making all day 800 to a billion dollars and i'm not one of those people that believe every blockbuster needs to make a billion dollars the billion dollar club is a really hard thing to get into however this is star wars and even with the rise of skywalker the backlash of the last jedi going before that and then you get the critical reception of the rise of skywalker like that movie still performed amazing at the box office nobody's expecting star wars to get four billion like it did in um, the Force Awakens, that was a long break. But if we're talking 350 million on a Star Wars movie, man, that's another problem alone. Okay, so I don't, I don't think that's a reality. Let's say it's successful. Let's say it's successful. Sorry, I, I get too caught. No, 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 all that's... I do is listen to movie podcasts, so I, I get into analytics fair. a lot quicker than I need to. Let's say, let's say it makes that 800 to a billion dollars. Let's okay. say it's it's blanket. It's successful. However, you want to measure that. Um, nobody's questioning the success of it. Nobody's questioning the storytelling. Like you have no other variables. Everything's in a vacuum of this was a movie that was enjoyed by audiences, made the money that they needed and expected it to make, all that stuff. Do we see a shift of just the Mandalorian storyline purely to cinemas? I think is, and this sounds like a very safe answer, but I think at the end of the day, it's the only answer that truly matters. Um, as long as the writers still have amazing stories to tell and they're not just being pushed by a corporation, which is not like Bob Iger to essentially push, push, push creators and force them like the predecessor who replaced him. Um, then yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. And yeah, I think, um, with the star power, even though 
Pedro Pascal is in such a great position when it comes to the Mandalorian because he doesn't need to actually be there all the time. But he is one of the hottest actors in Hollywood right now, and the demand for him is high. He might, um, I mean, it's all but confirmed that he's going to be playing Reed Richards in the highly anticipated Fantastic Four film. He's already a juggernaut of two of the biggest shows on planet Earth with The Last of Us and this. He's a busy man, so he's in a great position to continue doing that. I also think that if you're getting him, um, you know, he's going to be more inclined to have probably that helmet's probably coming off a little more to mm-hmm. use that star power for sure. Like there's there's going to be some awakening with him when it comes to that. Again, it's a safe answer, but as long as there's good stories to tell with those two, absolutely. I I still love The Mandalorian a lot. I'm just confused, and I'm honestly surprised by myself at how little I was like, once I, I got that announcement, I was like, really? And like, I still haven't worked out why I feel that way. I think just because we got those other movie announcements more than anything, and we were... We weren't told, but it was more or less hinted at that, like, the Ray movie's going to come out first. The Filoni movie's going to come out when Mando brings its conclusion or, or gets to its conclusion. Uh, we don't quite know what that is yet, but it'll be there and it'll be done. And then the Mangle movie is going to be more or less somewhere in between there, most likely. Then it just all of a sudden on StarWars.com, no real major announcements, not a D23 or Celebration reveal. Very clearly an unplanned uh, movie up to that point is it gets announced. And it's just like, okay, like you're showing your cards a little too much. Um, we like I, I think we know what the game is, but we don't necessarily as audience always like to know uh, exactly how the game is played. Like, I think we like having a little bit of, uh, this is based on storytelling, not based on corporate decisions. And it makes it a little more palatable for us to invest our money in. And this just is very much like, yeah, you're going to pay us to come see this movie because it says Mandalorian and Grogu and Star Wars. And you, I can't say they're wrong. Like, I'm going to pay them to go see the movie, but you don't have to and rub it in my is. face kind of yes. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So this, and look, I, I'm really not, okay, so when when we got this movie announcement, I had text Brandon, I was I was like, yeah, get ready for some heat on Sith Talk. Um, and I'm not going to go all out heat. Um, some of my stances has changed. But with that being said, I am, I'm really fucking tired of the uh, the rumor mill, the announcements. Like, I get that some of these things that are popping out are rumors. But Lucasfilm, it's their job to get ahead of them. Because at this point, they have lost so much credibility with their movie announcements that it's not even funny anymore. Like, it, it is worse than 2016 DC. Oh, we're making a Nightwing movie. Oh, we're making this. We're making that. It is that bad. Like, to the point where I pulled up some old articles. Patty Jenkins' movie, Rogue Squadron, just think about this, was supposed to be released December 22, 2023. Yeah, we'd we'd probably have that on Disney Plus by now. Taika's movie, upon that announcement, this is is as of May 28, 2022. Taika Waititi's Star Wars movie. This is by Screen Rant, and the other one was by, uh, let's see, The Daily Wire. Um, so these are highly credible news sources. Taika's was supposed to be released in 2023, and that was from Screen Rant and the Direct on both of those dates. Highly reputable places. It's kind of wild when you're thinking about it in 2023, and now we're talking about 2026. Um, and it just it it says so. Like my anger at first was going to be like. They still don't know what the fuck they're doing over there. And I, I I, still kind of agree that they still don't know what the fuck they're doing over there. When when we said we were going to get a break from Star Wars, I think we were all prepared that we were going to do that when The Rise of Skywalker ended. But seven years is, is a, is a long-ass time, man. And I, I, just for the record, I am more butthurt because, honestly, I want the Rey movie to be... Um, to be the first one out as much as I don't like the rise of Skywalker, 
I wanted that thing real bad, and I wanted it here, I mean, right now. Um, but I think I'm just more tired of, of, well, actually, that goes to my point. So if you're coming out with a Ray movie, your target, your target audience, which was, like, if we were prequel kids, we're talking, what, 7 to 15? Like, as far yeah. as the prequel kids? Yeah. So let's say somebody was 12, perfect age perfect age star wars is is definitely going for the 12 year olds in a lot of things like that's that's kind of the prime age um not the only age but just like it's like star wars is for kids that's what everybody says that's what george says it's like okay so by the end of the rise of skywalker these ray fans were 12 years old seven years later holy shit they're a lot older now wow yeah. we're missing the market we're missing the ray market on that and i i think this is a Ultimately, the the Mandalorian and Grogu movie, I think it is is a better movie to release first than the Ray movie, because you're not you get a chance to make a really good movie that people enjoy, and then it makes people more open to be like, oh yeah, that okay, so a Ray movie's coming. Man, that last Star Wars movie was really good. Maybe I'll check that one out. I'll give it another shot and I'll try it again. Um, I think that's good. It's a selling point. It's not another Ray movie after the Rise of Skywalker debacle, which yeah. whether you like it or well, not, even, it was. I think it's even think, after the Last Jedi solo situation, you know, you had the Last Jedi got, you know, I love that movie, but it got less than stellar response in the fandom. And then you release solo a little bit after that. And it's like, well, what did you expect was going to happen when the the fandom had become so hurt and the the conversation around it around star wars became you know like the general populace it became negative for them in a way that it hadn't before Four so months, and then you had an yeah. avengers movie coming out two weeks later right and so i think maybe this is maybe this is actually a sign of a lesson learned you know uh i don't think it is but you know there's a there's a world where they go you know if we want to start with ray who is unfortunately a polarizing character Maybe we, we, you know, give them a little appetizer here. And it also could be a situation, you know, you t you're talking about, oh, they're, you know, 12 to 19. Maybe they're waiting a couple of years to wait till they're 22 and 23 so that they have more disposable income to spend. Yeah, so you I'm know, that, 41 and 42 by the time it comes out. No, thank you. Well, I'm, kidding. That's, I'm kidding. We're just getting old, dude. We just got to get used to that. Uh, but the problem are, is that they keep, like, they keep announcing shit. And yeah. then they, and then they, they, they can't control every rumor that comes out. But like, get in front of it then, and be like, because you've broken people's faith so much. If if a rumor is breaking out on all the media trends, the uh, Ray movie is the next one in line. Maybe you guys should be like, hey, listen, we have something because at the time this this was like a couple months ago that we we're we we're hearing like in April it's gonna start shooting as soon as April. Like at that point, you know something is going to happen. You know that things are changing. At that point, you could say, hey, guys, like Lucasfilm makes a comment and it's going to go with the trades because it's an official Lucasfilm comment. Lucasfilm says Ray movie is not the first in production, has an announcement coming soon. Ray is still going fine. It still is uh, counted uh, at the top priority of Lucasfilm, which everything that I've read says that it still very much is. But get in front of it, because when you've announced 600 different movies, after Rise of Skywalker, you've broken people's trust, and literally the entire, not the entire fan base, that's a generalization, but most of the fan base, it doesn't matter, average Star Wars fan, regular Star Wars fan, everybody's like, what is happening over there? Like, yeah. what is going on? And yes, you can look at the the restructuring of Disney, and I think ultimately Bob Iger is going to make a lot of things better. Kathleen Kennedy, I was wrong. I thought she was going to step down. Rumors were saying that she was going to step down. She didn't. Bob Iger clearly likes whatever vision she has for Star Wars. But man, you got to get a better PR team because, dude, it feels like a mess. And I, I'm just confused. I'm tired of getting excited for things. And really, the, the biggest thing that I think kind of gives me a little discomfort Um with this whole Mandalorian Grogu option is everything that we said is true. It is a, it is a awesome corporate idea. Loving creators who created the show are making the movie. Awesome director. All that matters, but it's also the safest fucking movie you could have made. 
It's the yeah. safest fucking movie you could have made. And so that points me to Star Wars fans. If you're listening to the show, watch The Acolyte. Watch Skeleton Crew. Because these two shows really matter a lot more than you think they do. I'm not just excited because of the content of specifically the Acolyte. I'm excited for the intrigue of Skeleton Crew. Very excited for the Acolyte. But these shows matter because they're the first uh, set of film that's going to be different than what we've been getting. They're trying something new, and it has to stick. And, I, I mean, that's up to the writers, creatives, directors. It's not, um, you know, it's not up to us to love things if we don't love things. But these two shows alone matter when it comes to the future of Star Wars in ways that we have no idea until they actually come out. Because Star Wars is still nervous to take a chance, which is why that Mangold movie ain't the first one coming out. Which is why taking a risk on a character who, I like what you said, um, amazingly is polarizing, and they're not just going to double down on it. They're afraid to take the chances and man, if the Acolyte comes out and it is a success, people love it, holy shit, are they going to finally realize, hey, we can start taking some risks. This whole High Republic thing that we're talking about, it isn't a risk because it's on a book platform. And, and that's like kind of their, their, intro, that's like their introductory, or introductory of revenue. And it's worked out so well on such a small platform. But I guarantee... If the Acolyte skeleton crew really work, then we'll be seeing more things like this. We might be finally seeing the High Republic, this, that, whatever. We're going to start seeing some new stuff. It's just like right now, they are so afraid to step out of the comfort zone. And that's the biggest reason why I feel like, yeah, you've helped me, counseling. That's the biggest reason why I feel like they made this movie announcement. The thing I don't understand is the level of secrecy that Disney overall seems to be obsessed with. Um, like, think back to when we got the original trilogy and the prequels. The books were out before the movie. Yep. We knew Qui-Gon was going to die because of the back of a CD case. Like, there... Sure, there was some secrecy, I'm sure. There was some, you know, stuff they probably covered up. I don't remember that time period perfectly, but... They didn't try to hide every single thing. And I think that made, of course, the, the internet was different then. The world was different then. But when you feed people, they're not going to be hungry for other things. And so it's like the whole uh, Kang the Conqueror thing. And what are they going to do with him going forward? Like, why not say, we're taking everything into consideration. We know you as fans want to know what's happening we want to be able to provide that for you, but we're going to wait until we have a definite answer before we, we say anything. We appreciate your patience. Like that shuts up so many people who don't need to be talking. Like, let's be clear. Not everybody's opinion is valuable. Okay. I'm just going to say it. Some of you are out there just trying to get clicks and that lessens the value of your opinion. And you've done it for so long with so much made up stuff that, your opinion means nothing anymore and your word means nothing anymore. Right. Lucasfilm should be saying exactly what you said. We're putting out this Mando and Grogu movie. The Ray movie is definitely still happening. Rumors of this are untrue, right? And yes, yep. there's going to be a rash of articles coming out saying, oh, Lucasfilm is lying to the fans. Like People are going to make that stuff up. But if you put something that goes in Hollywood Reporter, goes into Vanity Fair, goes into all these reputable sources. When somebody Googles, is Ray movie happening? What articles are popping up first? Is it going to be uh, JoeBlow123.com? Like, it's not happening. Like, it's going to be Vanity Fair and Hollywood Reporter and these ones that pay for the SEO. Like, it's just, it. I'm not that smart. And I just figured that shit out on the fly. And you're telling me some of the smartest minds in the history of entertainment can't figure that out? It just, it's, well, that's the part that gets on my nerves is why not say something? What harm are you doing relative to the harm you're doing by staying quiet? What harm are you doing by coming out and saying, 
as of right now, the Ray movie is still happening. We're putting out this Mando and Grogu movie because it was a great idea presented to us by John Favreau. Fucking lie to us. Yeah. Like, just give just us something. Give us something. I don't understand the secrecy of Hollywood nowadays because nobody asked for it. Nobody was like, man, I really wish I knew like less about this stuff or I could spend more of my time listening to rumors. Nobody has ever said that. So I'll, I'll, use, I'll, I'll add on to that and use the analogy, okay? So let's say a new Chipotle opens up. And they said they're gonna be open May twenty sixth. Okay, great, cool. You go to the you go to the Chipotle. Hey, uh, uh, you go to the. There's nothing on Google that says you know whatever. It's it's still it says it's open. So you drive there and hey, it's closed. Okay, well we're we're gonna open in two days. Go there two days later. Man, they're still not open. It's like that's kind of what they're doing with the movies. They're just creating more confusion and making less people want to go back to the business because it is so confusing what is happening. And it's honestly like we follow this shit 24 seven. We have listeners who probably follow this 24 seven. If we're confused, dude, everybody else is confused. And that's an issue. And my biggest complaint, and I'm not going on a KK shit anymore. Like I, I'm just not interested in that. I've said that in the past. But, like, if if we are the customers, communicate with your customers. That's what I have to do. It doesn't matter if I get it right and they're happy or I shit the bed. I still got to call the customer and say, hey, look, this, this, and this happened. Apologize. I have to do that. Not my guys. I'm the leader. I'm the one that went into their home and sold them something, uh, sold them a painting package. It's up to me to talk to them. Kathleen Kennedy, all she's done is put on this smile. Every Star Wars celebration, her big corporate smile, never talking about the details, just like kind of showing up, saying, this is what we got for you to be excited about. New Ray movie, new James Gold movie, uh, Dave Filoni movie, which is now like kind of getting shut out and a little quiet, you know, and now we're getting John Favreau. Uh, this is just like a couple months ago, guys. You got to keep up with it. Um, but she just she just like says shit at celebration and then doesn't ever get in front of it. There's never been like Kathleen Kennedy talks about the state of Star Wars in a variety of port. Like Disney owns half these fucking news outlets anyway. Like just get to the best one that's going to suit to your your needs and and be kind to you and sit down and do an interview and be like, "Look, this is what we learned. This is what we did." Like we, you know, we did something here that some people didn't like. We really were. With the Ryan Johnson film, The Last Jedi, um, we really tried to take a risk. It really didn't work out. And then we spent this time. These were our mistakes, and here's what we're doing moving forward. We're really sorry about the movie announcements. We were kind of a mess, but we're really getting a grip on it now, and we think we got something really good for you guys. That's, like, all we want. That's all we want. You yeah, know? It's not. it's not that complicated. And I think they, they're they're making it more complicated than it has to be. And it just, it really, it doesn't make sense to me why they would want to do that. Like, I'm, I understand you might not deliver on something that happened, but I'm a big fan of The Last Jedi. I'm a big fan of Ryan Johnson. I'm I love still that holding, movie too. Yeah, and I'm still holding on to the Ryan Johnson stuff is happening by a thread by a literal like yeah. thinning thread every day, but because they haven't come out and said that it's not happening. In fact, they've hinted at we would still we would love for you know Ryan to do it when his schedule comes out. <laughs> there yeah, is a part of me got, like a bajillion dollar deal yeah. with Netflix. Like there is a part of me that understands that Ryan Johnson trilogy ain't happening. But I can't fully shut it out because the powers that be have not been able to have the balls to come out and say like this isn't happening anymore it just ryan hit on something with knives out we decided to like go separate ways you know like it's not i don't know why we have to make this you know the most complicated thing in the world it's just i don't know i just and, don't and understand it you look and for the record like i think there was a time where i <laughs> Anybody listening to Sith Talk for the longest time, you could easily see that I was on a warpath with Kathleen Kennedy. I was unhappy about a lot of things. I just want at this point, whatever we talk about on the show, to be about um, the content that's coming out 
and to be about what we're excited for, but to actually know that we're not wasting our time on this show talking to you guys, our listeners, about the Ray movie, about this, about the James Mangold, about what's happening. Like, it, it's not, I, I don't care, like, how, I mean, we can't help that the, these things are changing, but it, like, it does kind of feel dumb to be like, oh, yeah, man, I spent, like, uh, three hours of this month talking with Brandon and Lindsay about this Ray movie or this James Mangold movie or this Game of Thrones uh, or this, uh, you know, Old Republic movie. And yeah, it's not coming. It's just like, it just feels dumb. It just makes everybody look dumb. Everybody looks dumb. And I don't understand because, you know, like, I'm not saying anybody at Lucasfilm listens to our podcast, but you know, people at Lucasfilm, they should be a lot cooler if you did. I know. Right. (laughs) Uh, but they listen to these podcasts. Like that's why you see these podcasters on the podcast stage. That's why you see these people at, you know, movie releases and stuff. It's not just because, oh, we searched Star Wars, you know, on Apple Podcasts and this is what came up. Like they're picking certain people. They're not picking certain other people. I'm not going to name names, but there are big podcasts that they are blacklisting. And there's other, po- I'm not saying that's us just to be totally clear. And there's other podcasts that it's are me. getting to go, go to all of these things, right? That's not a coincidence. They're listening to these shows. They know our opinions. Opinions are more av- available now than they have ever been in the history of mankind. And we are more want to share them than ever in the history of mankind. It does not take a lot of market research nowadays to go, hey, people are pretty excited about this Ray movie. We should reassure them. People are really talking a lot about this James Mangold movie. People are really looking forward to it. Maybe we can give them this tidbit of information. Like, keep that momentum going forward. They didn't do that with with Rogue One. They didn't do that with Solo. And, like, the marketing around those two movies just wasn't great and... They didn't tap into their, you know, the audience that's going to push this movie. Like, you can manipulate the market nowadays. You can get your audience to create your audience. Yep. But you are allowing this place where a cesspool can can start to be created and negative, useless opinions come out. Because, like you said, like, People are, you know, going to be negative about this stuff and then it's not even going to come out. So like, what was the point of even talking about it? Or people are going to be positive about this stuff and get people excited and then you're going to let them down. So I don't understand the logic behind the decision making there. These people make a lot of money. I'm sure there is one. I just think they're making it far more complicated than it has to be like, well, yeah, I think what you said, like the level of secrecy, it's just like, bro, we're not building the hydrogen bomb. We're making a star Wars movie. You can, you can like get ahead of this and to add to your uh, great assessment, might I say, um, wow, it just left me Uh, to add to your assessment, you know, instead of us talking about the Ray movie or the Grogu movie because everything that has happened, what is this week's episode of Sith Talk talking about? It's not talking about the excitement that we were talking about as soon as two episodes ago. It's not talking about that. It's talking about like this subject matter. And now you have, you know, I'm, I'm not saying every Star Wars podcast is talking about it in the way we are. We're individuals, we're different. But, like, a lot of them are talking about it. I've listened to a decent amount of them so I could figure out my feelings on it and try and get some perspective, um, you know, on, on what the gauging the fan base is. Um, and it's like everybody's talking about this. Like, everybody's like, yeah, cool, okay. And, and, and to be fair, like, everything that I'm hearing, like, people are super stoked for this Mandalorian Grogu movie. A lot of smart uh, people who have been in the business longer than... I have podcasting. Think it think it's a great great choice overall, and they think it's a great choice to do the Ray movie later. Um, but it's one of those things where it's like everybody still is talking about the mess, like and what a mess it has yeah. been getting here. And yeah, it's like Thanksgiving dinner, right? Like, let's say you have the perfect Thanksgiving dinner. Like everybody's going to talk about how good the food was, but everybody's also going to talk about how drunk Uncle Tommy got. Right. You know, like, I would be Uncle Tommy in this story. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I didn't want to use your name, but well, you know. I, I, uh, I don't have any. Um, I am who I am at this point. Yeah. 
Well, but like, you know, why ruin this great meal that you're having because you didn't want to get ahead of, you know, counting the number of beers that Uncle Tommy had. You right. know, like, it just... Yeah, maybe Uncle like, Tommy's having fun and you're just over here getting soaked up in his world right. while and, he's and just like, living his own life. It's just, like, people are going to get upset. People are going to get mad. And I just get this vibe that, like, Lucasfilm's kind of like, well, they're going to do it anyway, so we're not going to do anything about it. But that's not a way to to market. That's not a way to to build around your brand. And, I mean, I've, I've been watching um, this docu-series on Disney Plus called Behind the Attraction that talks about all these Disney attractions. And I just look at, like, how often Walt Disney was on TV during the production of Disneyland. Like, telling everybody what they were working on, where things were going to be, like, all of these things, right? And you look at the, uh, this is, I mean, this is back at the invention of television kind of era. So we're talking black and white, not everybody has a TV in their living room kind of situation. I think it was two thirds, it might have been three quarters of the country tuned in to watch the opening of Disneyland. Right. That happened because they wanted to see what actually happened from what they had been told was going to happen. And it, what didn't happen, they weren't told seven years ago. They were told as it was happening. And so I don't want to make this sound like, you know, I think they're, they're shitting on Walt Disney's legacy or anything like that, because I don't think it's that. But I do think there has been less connection to that original idea that Disney had about creating a space for kids and families to come together. That's was, was really what Disneyland was about. That's what later Disney world was about. And it's what the Disney brand has, is, is supposed to be about. And they have moved towards very rapidly the direction of what is the bottom line. And I understand the need for that. And I understand protecting your brand and all of those things. But when you lose your core purpose and your core mission, you're costing yourself money. Like it's been proven time and again, example after example, that being the greedy corporation does not pay off to the level of being true to your core and your mission. And that's when we see companies go off the deep end is when they lose their mission, when they lose the core of who they are, they lose their heart. And I, I'm not saying that Disney is about to crumble underneath us, but definitely not. It does yes. it like just looking at while we have while I'm watching this series and I'm seeing how they used to do things and I'm also seeing how they're doing things now. It makes me go kind of like we were talking about with with Yoda. Like, what happened, bro? Like, these are way too different. What trauma do you have going on? Yeah. Like, that's the kind of thing I think of. It's just like, what happened that made you go off the deep end into everything has to be a secret? Because it's more Disney than anybody. Like, it's Marvel and Star Wars that are the proponents of this. You didn't have this level of secrecy around the Barbie movie or Oppenheimer or any of these, like, other major releases. You had it around Indiana Jones. You've had it around even Star Wars projects like Skeleton Crew. Like, there's no reason for that to be secretive. And people kind of need to know reason. what's going on with Skeleton Crew. And we have crew, no idea about it. Like, yeah. we have no clue what's happening in Skeleton Crew or what it's even freaking about other than it's Goonies in space. Right. I don't understand it. Like, and it wasn't even how they used to do things. Like, I'm looking at a Rebels poster right now. I don't know if you remember when Rebels came out. But we had a book. We had shorts. We had Dave Filoni talking about the series. We had all of these things happening. Did, did that make people like Rebels less? Right. No, no. because the story executed. So there's got to be some kind of fear of backlash somewhere. Maybe they're not confident in the stories that they're telling, and so they're too afraid to say something. I don't think that's it. I think that there is something else going on, and I think they really need to take a strong look in the mirror because at some point, like, everybody is going to break. And at some point, the the stock owners, the, the people that really push the buttons for Disney beyond the creators are going to go, 
we need to change something about this. And I'm hoping it happens. It doesn't happen before it's too late. You know, like I don't want these people going, this is how we're going to run the company. I want the creators and the people who should be making these very simple decisions to be the ones making them and not have mom and dad come in and go, okay, we're taking over. Right. Absolutely. I completely agree. Um, with that being said, guys, I think, uh, that's the show. Um, definitely, uh, you know, what's, what do you guys think? Comment in our Facebook group, comment on Clashing Sabres Instagram, comment on the Sith Talk Instagram. Um, what do you think? I mean, do you think that, are you seeing something out there that, that maybe we're not seeing? Is there an angle that you, um, that you have that maybe we haven't had yet? We like, uh, I like hearing and talking with you guys, so definitely give us some feedback on how you feel about this whole thing. Are you excited for the Mandalorian Grogu movie? What were your hopes um, and all of that? Um, definitely next episode, we'll talk a little less away from the film industry, but get, I always want to talk about um, things that matter to me in Star Wars, and unfortunately this was something that really mattered. Honestly, I think, I don't want to assume, but to both of us, I think it bo- it's a good conversation to have. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, it has to be talked about. We got to call these problems problems when they are, and just as the same, we have to celebrate all the great things that we're doing. Like mm-hmm. let's let's not lose sight of like the content they're putting out is still really freaking good. So, with uh, that being said, why don't you uh, tell us a little more about what we do here at Clashing Sabers? So yeah, we've got you know, of course, our podcast. All of our podcasts come in the same feed for you. Uh, you got Sith Talk, you got Clashing Sabers, Forever Star Wars, Don't Burn the Sacred Texts, all of this stuff we're putting out. Uh, we also have our Patreon, where Amanda is putting out some great content. If you're uh, like me and you're also a Marvel fan, there's some Marvel-connected stuff there. Um, there's Rebels-connected stuff, all kinds of good things that she's doing over there. And then you you get to support our mission to put Star Wars books into classrooms across the country which speaking of good segue brandon thank you brandon no problem brandon if you (laughs) if you know a teacher or are a teacher or uh again can just like look up a teacher close to you in the area star wars fan or not uh we've got books of all ages to send to them from kindergarten all the way up through 12th grade i've got books ready to be shipped out and uh, I need them shipped out before I move out of this apartment so I don't have to move books again. So if you guys could help me out with that, it would be greatly appreciated. And, you know, it'll help the kids and stuff, which is, I guess, cool, too. So make sure you go over to ClashingSabers.net, nominate a teacher, and that teacher will get books in their classroom. ASAP, full stop, end of story. That is it. And as always, you can find me at SithTalker25, talking all things uh, mostly Spartan Race because we're gearing up towards the season. Uh, if you want to check out more um, Sith Talk stuff and kind of like the Star Wars side of me, I run the Sith Talk page and I have been posting a little bit more than I normally do. So uh, pay attention to it, comment on it, let's talk, let's have some fun. There is so many positive things to talk about Star Wars, so many fun um, theories, ideas, wishful thinking. Um, that I'd love to talk with you guys. So with that being said, guys, may the force be with you. Always. All Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of the Clashing Sabers network and clashingsabers.net. All licensed sounds and images are the property of their respective copyright holders and are used for informational and educational purposes only. For more information on our nonprofit or to nominate a teacher, go to clashingsabers.net. For questions or inquiries, please email us at clashingsabersnetwork at gmail.com. You're just going to walk away.